Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. How does uh, it compare to having a cigar after a national championship with your quarterback to head into the playoffs in the NFL as a rookie? Hmm... Um, that was my first championship, so I don't. I, I'm going to say that's that, like that's not going to beat it yet. So, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we'll see how these playoffs go this round. Uh, then we got to ask me this question later because I want to definitely right it. answer. <laughs> Raiders and the Bengals getting together in Cincinnati on Saturday, a rematch of the game that was played in January of 1991, the game that began the Bengals' postseason slide, the game in which Bo Jackson suffered the career-ending hip injury. The Raiders uh, ending up in Cincinnati because they won on Sunday night. The tie would have sent them to Kansas City. People think this is the better matchup. What do you think of this matchup for the Raiders? Because the Bengals have shown a proclivity, Peter, for big plays, whether it's Jamar Chase, and if you cover him, we got T. Higgins, we got Tyler Boyd, we got Joe Mixon. They have become kind of a pick-your-poison offense, and they've gotten a lot better as the year's gone on. You know, I kind of feel for the Raiders a little bit who have, uh, you know, speaking of analytics, who've got one corner in the top 50 of the pro football focus rankings. And this is going to be a game where a tired, seemingly a tired Raiders team flies across country in a short week and plays in a Saturday afternoon game after playing a five-quarter Sunday night game. And all I can say is, if Al Davis were alive, we would have heard about how the NFL hates the Raiders and wants the Raiders out of the playoffs. I guarantee you that's what he would have said with after playing a five-quarter game that you have the short week and you're going east uh, to play in Cincinnati. All they had to do was take the time. They would have had one more day. 
I everybody was like, oh, they can't go play the Chiefs again. The Chiefs beat them twice. Well, the Bengals beat them thirty-two to thirteen, and you would have had an extra day if you just take the tie. You have the extra day, and you go back to a place where you play every but year. You don't know not that. Not going to be intimidated. Yeah. Well, yeah, they had the schedule set. They they knew that Cincinnati well, was hosting the, the game. Field, well, you don't. Yeah, you yeah. don't know it. When you take yeah. the field, you yeah. didn't know Good that. Good point. But, somebody should have told him. Somebody should have told him. Somebody uh, somebody should have called down from the press box, even though that's a violation. Uh, I, I, I think this is going to be a tough game for the Raiders for all the reasons you mentioned. And the Bengals, Peter, none of these guys were alive the last time they won a playoff game. Right. They don't care about this streak. That, that's the Joe Burrow magic. He doesn't care that the Bengals have been a downtrodden franchise for years. He's there. He's got talented teammates there, and that's all that matters. And to me, that's that's why they've got the potential to get hot here and go on a run because it's almost like they don't know they're not supposed to be good. Look, here's the bottom line with Joe Burrow. Um, you know, not he's not going to say this, Mike, Okay, but I talked to him the week before they played Kansas City, and I asked him a question about facing the great Mahomes. And in his answer, he did not mention Patrick Mahomes. He didn't even refer to him. And look, that that could be an absolute total coincidence. But to me, it is a great example of what goes through Joe Burrow's mind. And that is this. And I am, this is my interpretation of Joe Burrow. What goes through his mind is, you know, Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is good, but I'm just as good as Patrick Mahomes, and we are going to kick his rear end. I mean, and again, he'd never say that, but his attitude and his his tone convey that, and have conveyed that since the moment he was drafted. And I remember talking to him after he was drafted, in which he basically said, I could give two flips about the history of the Bengals. We're going to win. We will win. <laughs> and that's why when I look at what the Bengals have done, on the one hand, I'm surprised. And in my opinion, it's Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, in a contest for the MVP. That is what happens when you play great and you take a downtrodden franchise from last to first in the in the AFC North and you sweep the you know the best two teams historically in that division. You go four and zero against the uh, Ravens and the Steelers. Josh Allen was supposed to be an MVP candidate this year. The Bills quarterback, still someone who is squarely on the radar screen for Patriots coach Bill Belichick as they prepare to get together on Saturday night. Here's Belichick from earlier in the week talking about the problem that Josh Allen presents. Hey, Coach, I wanted to ask you about crafting a a pass rush plan for a guy like Josh Allen and uh, just the balance between, I guess, containing him but also getting pressure on him at the same time and how you kind of coach that up. Yeah, it's you you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what it is. It's it's rushing, but, you know, pass rushing with discipline and and with awareness because if you you miss him and he, he gets loose, that's it's going to be a big problem. So, I mean, you just can't stand there and watch him throw. Um, that's not the answer. But, you know, being undisciplined and just, you know, running around back there and, and letting him run, that's not the answer either. And we'll have to, you know, try to balance 
just what you said, aggressive rush with, you know, vision and, and an element of containment on them. And again, it's easier said than done. We know Bill Belichick puts together a game plan that takes away what the opposing offense does best. I don't know he's got the players to pull it off against a guy like Josh Allen because he's going to throw it well or he's going to run it. And Peter, after that, that Monday night game in the rain and the wind in Buffalo when New England won with hardly any passes at all and they unleashed Josh Allen as a passer in the second half they should have done it earlier they've used Allen more as a runner since then and historically when it's playoff time if the openings are there he's going to take them they're going to throw caution to the wind they're going to risk injury and uh and and contact with Josh Allen because he can be incredibly effective when he's got that threat to pull the ball down and take off in addition to the things he can do as a passer I think the most dangerous thing right now about Josh Allen is that, you know, he has played Bill Belichick's defense enough now so that I believe nothing will surprise him. And look, the great thing about the Belichick defense is that every game plan is a snowflake. We've talked about this before, that you never know what you're going to see. But the strength of Josh Allen right now is that nothing he's going to see is really going to surprise him. That's why I think Buffalo is in a good place. Despite It doesn't matter if they're playing on the Arctic Circle. Supposedly, I'm going to this game, but supposedly there's not going to be any wind or very small amount of wind. And yeah, it's going to be ridiculously cold. We understand that. But without the wind, and even if there is some wind, Josh Allen's footballs slice through the, the wind like nobody else's in the NFL right now. And even in that first game, six weeks ago, Mike, 27 mile an hour wins. Josh Allen threw two or three balls that night that I say, is there any wind on the field at all? I mean, it, his, his football goes through the wind like knife through hot butter. And I just think that, you know, this game sets up well for the Buffalo Bills, especially because of Allen's experience against that defense. I think you've been hanging around with Sims a little bit. Knife through hot butter. I thought it was oh, hot no. knife through butter. Yeah. We're gonna you know, you know, on a future on a future Friday there's gonna be a kingism. They'll have a we'll we'll, yeah. we'll you just just so you're ready for it. Knife through hot but butter. Four letter That's, word for culture or something in front of culture. Uh oh yeah. Sims had a great one earlier this week. He was trying to say that for a team, the deck is stacked against them. And he said, the stack is decked against them. He almost did. He was <laughs> sputtering it out. And I, I ultimately drew it out of him. So for now, from now on, I'm going to say the stack is decked against him. All right. Uh, yeah, look, it's not going to be easy for the Patriots. But, Peter, there's got to be value in Bill Belichick. All these games over the past 20 years, single elimination, understanding yeah. that the weight of the season is riding on it. And can the opponent meet the moment. You know, the Bills have been the little brother that can't beat the big brother in ping pong for all this time. And now they get what they, they get what they want. Be careful what you wish for. Here comes big brother in the playoffs. And we saw last year, that first game at home against the Colts, they were vulnerable and, and they haven't, you know, they had the killer instinct early in the year, but I feel like ever since those first few games, they've struggled to, to just put it all together and have that that dominance that that we thought not not the Steelers game, but the next few weeks after that, they really were blowing people out. Uh, they, they've had a hard time becoming the team we thought they were going to be this year. And you know, this is the ultimate test. If they can 
get past the Patriots, they uh, may, maybe they can beat some of these other teams. I just think psychologically like one, it's going to take everything they can handle. One other point about Belichick and why I don't care if he's playing the 67 Packers. I, I, you know, I don't care who he's playing. All I know is this about Bill Belichick, okay? 41 times since he's been the coach of the New England Patriots, 41 times. He has had, he's coached a playoff game. So 41 times, it is sudden death on the New England Patriots season. 30 times, he's won that game. It's amazing. So what that means is that 75, 74% of the time that Bill Belichick has entered an elimination game in January or February with the New England Patriots, 74% of the time, He's won it. That is why never, ever, ever underestimate the Patriots in a week like this. That's an amazing stat because I don't care what coach it is. When you pull up his record, regular season record, impressive. Postseason record, never nearly as impressive. Two and five, right. you know, whatever. And uh, to, to be that good in the postseason, well, you know, winning all those Super Bowls helps you pad your your wins, but that that is amazing, and and that's a reason not to overlook the Patriots. Eagles Bucks get together in the early spot on Sunday. Rain and wind in the forecast. Buccaneers, a lot of injuries, especially defensively. They're getting some guys back. The Eagles kind of have the formula. They kind of have it. I don't know that they can pull it off, and I don't know that their defense is good enough to slow down Tom Brady. Maybe they get an assist from Mother Nature. But they've got the offense, and Nick Sirianni, to his credit, pivoting toward what his strengths are, running the ball, and if they run the ball, chew the clock, keep Tom Brady on the sidelines, you know, maybe they could make it interesting. I, I don't think they will, but I don't think it's as obvious of a no-brainer, easy win for the Buccaneers as many would think it's going to be. I think the key in this, in, in this game, Mike, judging by what you see from the weather forecast honestly is the availability and the health of Leonard Fournette because clearly if the weather is what it looks like it would be uh, or it could be rainy windy you're going to need a great running game and Leonard Fournette transformed the running game of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I didn't think I would ever say this when the Bucs signed Tom Brady but there have been games at least two I can think of this year where Leonard Fournette has been more important for the Bucs than Tom Brady. And that could happen again this weekend against Philadelphia because I'll tell you this right now. Philadelphia is on a roll with the running game. And again, you say, well, geez, now they got Vita Vea. Uh, there's no way they're going to concentrate on running the ball against Tampa Bay. Maybe not. But I wouldn't be surprised if this game comes down to the best running game wins. And one of the important things to remember, and a big difference from last year to this year, last year there was a much greater sense in the Tampa Bay offense of Tom Brady fully embracing whoever was on the field, comfortable with whoever was on the field. He really has gravitated toward his guys this year, and some of his guys aren't there. You mentioned Fournette. He needs to have Fournette there. Antonio Brown, long gone. It's Mike Evans. It's Rob Gronkowski. We don't have that same sense of interchangeable parts in the offense that we had last year. And it may make it easier for a defense to know who to really key on. Because last year it didn't matter. This year it may matter. And that defense really does have to step up if they're going to advance any farther 
than the wild card round. I, I you know most expect them to win this one, but it's going to get much more uh, challenging uh, coming up when you know you've got maybe the 49ers coming to town this weekend. Well, it wouldn't be the 49ers because uh, if they advance, they would go to Green Bay, but it could be the Cowboys coming back to town for another barn burner like we saw in week one. Uh, it's not going to get any easier, and then there's that looming trip to Green Bay that possibly will happen for the Bucks as well. 49ers-Cowboys, I mentioned that one. They hadn't played in the postseason since 1994. It's 40 years since the catch. It's It's got layers and levels. And as Kyle Shanahan, the coach of the 49ers, said this week, none of these players even know about the history. But, you know, the present is this. The 49ers have that great offense that will run the ball and have that physicality. Can the Cowboys' defense match the physicality that they are going to see from the likes of Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and, uh, you know, kind of a rough-and-tumble offensive line that does a great job opening holes for all of those different options to run the ball, Peter. I, I think this is this is such an interesting game because, you know, I know everybody is talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Can he do it again? Does he have it in him to, you know, to beat a good secondary? All that other stuff. But I kind of think this is going to be a Debo, Elijah Mitchell you're right, George Kittle, physical game. And my feeling is, when I watch the 49ers play, I think they're going to try to say to the Cowboys, you know, what if we play a football game where we possess it 36 minutes and your prolific offense only gets your hands only gets its hands on the ball seven times? What if that happens? What if that happens? then, you know, you're not going to be able to say that this is sort of a normal game for Dallas. You look at those defensive rankings for Dallas, and it looks like uh, the 49ers are going to be able to sustain some long drives. And I guarantee you, Kyle Shanahan, you know, is whether, whether he emphasized it all week, hey, look, you know what your friend is, Jimmy Garoppolo? Snap the ball with three seconds on the play clock every time. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it could be a Bob Greasy game for Jimmy Garoppolo, and that that's the great conundrum for the 49ers. He's good enough to help them get closer and closer to the Super Bowl, but at some point he's going to have to make a big throw in a big spot. Can he do it, or will it be another Jimmy G interception? But that is a fascinating game this weekend. I still like what the 49ers can do. Steelers-Chiefs Sunday night. Peter, I... I know that the Chiefs are 12.5-point favorites, and Sims and I have been going back and forth on this all week. He is all in on the Chiefs. I just think that the Steelers have slipped into that 2005 vibe all over again when they barely get to the playoffs. They were left for dead. Nobody cares. You throw the Big Ben retirement on top of it. Mike Tomlin, one of the great coaches in the game, he seemed so loose and relaxed on Tuesday when he was talking about how he fell asleep during the Chargers-Raiders game. They, they know that... They are not carrying in any way, shape, or form the burden of expectation in this. And there's a liberation, I think, when it organically happens. It just kind of happens. They are in a spot where nothing at all is expected of them. And I don't think we realize how dangerous that attitude can be, especially if the Chiefs are feeling the slightest bit tight on Sunday night when they recognize they're supposed to win this game by 30 points. And all of a sudden, we got this team in black and gold that still has some pretty good football players, and they don't care about anything. They don't, they're don't. they not supposed to be there. 
the last time we saw the Kansas City franchise in a football game was six days ago. And in that football game, we did not see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, their starting running back. We saw Travis Kelsey, the all-pro tight end, limp to the sidelines late in the game, grimacing. And we saw all game long the, uh, the transcendent receiver, Tyreek Hill, not being anywhere near 100%, limpy, gimpy, with a heel injury. So, Mike, I just look at this and say, what team desperately needed the bye more than any team in football this postseason? Kansas City. What team didn't get the bye? Kansas City. And so that's why I say, especially with Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt, that's why I say I, I wouldn't pick the Steelers, but I enter this game with a very much you-never-know vibe. And Sims and I were talking about it yesterday. They're going to need to come up with something creative to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes without blitzing him. Whether they dust off the old zone blitz package, whether they use some of the things we've seen this year from teams like the Dolphins where you have an array of guys at the line of scrimmage. You have no idea who, where the pressure's coming from, yeah. which, which really was the origin of the zone blitz. Um, they, they need something like that because they need to get to Mahomes. When they played in week 16, T.J. Watt uh, didn't, even, didn't even touch Mahomes during the game. That's going to need to be different this time around if the Steelers are going to have any chance. But, you know, Peter, we've seen this time and again in the playoffs. Everything changes. The vibe changes. And sometimes you'll see one of these games where the team that is supposed to lose by double digits takes a swing. Kind of, you know, you kind of close your eyes and swing like, like George McFly in Back to the Future. You curl up your fist and Biff's standing there and you just, and you just close your eyes and you swing and you catch him. And, and when you, after you catch him, everything changes. We've seen that in the playoffs. You know, we saw it last year with the Browns and the Steelers where it was just an avalanche early and it was over by the end of the first quarter. So that that's what's that's what's fascinating about these single elimination games. Anything can happen. Um and I think I I again, I, I I did pick the Steelers and I'm sticking with it. I just there's <laughs> there's a vibe. There's that you know whatever it was that happened week 17 Monday night in Pittsburgh with the win and the magical vibe and everyone was caught up in it, that, that kind of gets bottled up in these players. It doesn't go, it doesn't go away in two weeks and it's going to be 12 days later, 13 days later that they're playing the chiefs. All right. Monday night, Monday night game, super wild card weekend finishes with the Cardinals taking on the Rams. There's been a lot of angst this week about how 49ers fans invaded SoFi stadium to the point where, Matthew Stafford had to use a silent count. Jimmy G didn't. I don't know how many Cardinals fans are going to show up, but the Cardinals won when they played in L.A. back in week four. The Rams won in Arizona on a Thursday night. And before this year, the Rams were blowing out the Cardinals every time they played them. Different vibe this year. The Cardinals have held their own with Los Angeles. You know, here's the other part of this, really, Mike. I think that when you look at these two teams, obviously they split this year, but you look at these two teams, and to me, um, the one thing I like about the Rams right now is that they have learned to survive when Detroit Matthew Stafford shows up. 
they've survived. You know, they basically made a playoff run with Matthew Stafford turning the ball over a couple of times every game, uh, sometimes three times. And, and my feeling about this team right now is that they understand that there's going to be some mistakes made on offense in this game. But we think the, the explosion and the explosivity, if there is such a word, of this offense can make up for it. On the other side, I can't get over the fact that, you know, other than, you know, last week when they put up 30 in a loss to Seattle, they have really been shaky in the last month of the season. They lose four or five coming into the playoffs. And and I, I don't know what to expect out of the Cardinals. And, and to me, the Cardinals have to do two things in this game. They have to get their running game back on course because you don't want to enter this game where everything is on your mobile quarterback shoulders. You don't want that. You want to have something where you can balance it so Aaron Donald, you know, doesn't know what's coming. That, to me, is the important element for the Cardinals. And Aaron Donald was the key when they played on that Monday night in December. The first play of the game, he gets a sack, and then the last play of the game. And and that, that clip where it, it kind of looked like Kyler Murray was going to try to sprint around, make some magic, throw the ball to the end zone. Uh, Aaron Donald just decided enough is enough and down went Kyler Murray and that was that. And we can't and, and now and now now that Vaughn Miller has been there long enough to get comfortable in that off or in that defense, excuse me, you know, all the extra attention that's paid to Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller has never experienced that. Maybe when he was a rookie before he proved himself, but it wasn't that long ago. I remember Vaughn Miller telling me, you know, I'm getting double teamed and triple teamed. Well, that's not happening with the Rams. So, you know, if, if the Cardinals overcommit to taking away Aaron Donald, that's fine. But you got to deal with Leonard Floyd and Vaughn Miller if you do. It's it's going to potentially be a long night for that offense. And Peter, one last point from me on the Cardinals: not having DeAndre Hopkins makes a difference in that offense because again, that that's Big your Aaron difference. Donald. That's your guy that's going to yep. draw extra attention. And if he's not there, it's easier to deploy your eleven players to handle the guys who are on uh, the opposing offense. Let's take a break. We'll hear a little bit from Joe Burrow as he gets ready for his first playoff game, not yet realizing that they're not supposed to be any good. With Burrow, they're great. More PFT Live right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Right off the bat, I mean, you're the man, all right? And the one thing I want to know, like, when did you become, like, Johnny Cigar Guy? When did that actually happen? You know, is this something you actually do in your free time from time to time? You know, give me a little background there. Just on special occasions. First cigar I ever smoked was after the the national championship game, and so I figured when when I win a championship – whether it's our division championship or a Super Bowl or a national championship, I think we should probably smoke some cigars now. I think we just made it a thing. Okay, I like it. So you had one ready. Like, you got a brand you like? Like, you know, the one you, you smoked a few weeks ago after you clinched the division. Is there, like, brand or style of cigar you like? I don't really know any brands. Yeah. <laughs> I just smoke whatever somebody gives me. <laughs> okay, all right. Sounds good. Smoke them if you got them. <laughs> yeah, uh... They're they're definitely. Hey, I got trust one word me. for I got one word for Joe Burrow, Cohiba. <laughs> yes, Cohiba Padron. We need a cigar sponsorship. I I could I could I could if I could get Joe Burrow down to the bar and I could show him the full range from uh, the Cubans that are illegal in your country, by the way. But uh, I may have a few down there, <laughs> all the way down to the machine-made crap. That you can get for five bucks a box, uh, and there, there, there really is a difference. And there he is celebrating. You know, the knee's a question. We didn't talk about the knee. He's now. It's hard to tell whether or not his knee's bothering there because I'm not quite sure that's dancing. I don't know what that is, but he did injure that's that right That's the Elaine Bennis in the Kansas uh, City game. <laughs> uh, that's dance. The, yeah, that's a, the full body dry heave. <laughs> Is what that is. Uh, <laughs> and if you smoke enough cigars, dry heaves is exactly what will happen. Let's take a break. Speed round when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Time now for the speed round presented by Verizon 5G, official 5G network of the National Football League. All right, let's get to it. Which road quarterback do you trust the most? Down four with two minutes left this weekend, Peter. Uh, I'm not saying that's a simple answer, but I'll tell you the one that I really like down four late in the game, and that's Derek Carr. I think he has proven... Uh, especially in the last two or three games with everything on the line for this team, that he can make some big throws. And early in his career, and I think even up until early this year, people questioned Derek Carr in the clutch. This is going to be his first playoff game after 128 regular season games. But what I've seen in him the last few weeks, I'll take Derek Carr. Boy, that's an interesting choice. I, uh, I mean, Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. I don't expect him to be down four with two minutes left, but if he is, I was all oh, road QB. Never you mind. You said road QB. Yeah. 
Road. I did. Yes. Road. Road QB. Sorry. I did say Road QB. I forgot that I had said Road QB. I'll agree with you then on Derek Carr. You think Carr Tom Brady is we, still a Road QB? He plays for Tampa and well, not New England. Well, well, it's not. It's He's not playing in New England, so every game is a road game, and that's the best I can do to save that one. I'll throw Kyler Murray in there as well, though. Let me throw. Let me let me go. Let me go, Kyler Murray. Uh, because first of all, they're much better on the road than they are at home. They went eight and one on the road, and they lost five in a row at home to end the season. So, you know, you, you get down to that that final couple of minutes, and you know how he moves around, uh, and and he'll have his hair on fire, and uh, he'll be desperate to try to get a victory. So I'll go, Kyler Murray. All right, which quarterback is most likely to have a four interception implosion other than Jimmy Garoppolo, Peter? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh man. I mean, you know, logic tells you Matthew Stafford, even though I don't believe that's going to happen. And still win. Stafford's and gonna, still win. I think he'll throw four interceptions yeah, and still right. win. I mean, I he's not going to throw four. Nobody's throwing four this weekend. But, you know, Matthew Stafford's going to make some errors. He's been making them for the last month. Um, and he sometimes turns into Detroit Maddie. But he he's going to play well enough to win. You know, I hate to say Ben Roethlisberger because I think the Steelers are going to win, but if somebody is going to have a meltdown like that with four interceptions, I could see him taking chances early. It doesn't work, and it snowballs out of control because he presses a little bit more and presses a little bit more, and one becomes two, becomes three, becomes four. Which coach needs a win more than anyone else? I, I mean, I could give you two because I might say Rich Bisaccia because if he gets a win – He's going to get this job. But I think the one coach that really needs a win is Mike McCarthy. Because if Mike McCarthy does not win a home playoff game for Dallas, every all the Mike McCarthy naysayers are going to come out of the woodwork and say, see, it was fraudulent all along. Yeah, um, I, I think that makes sense. Sean McDermott, I think, needs to beat Bill Belichick in this setting. I, I and I remember just how McDermott just seemed frustrated and beside himself after that Monday night game. Didn't yeah. want to give Belichick credit. It just th- yeah. th- there is that little brother, big brother thing. And I think for McDermott at home, division champs, Patriots coming to town. I think McDermott needs this one not to save himself or anything, but to finally establish himself as a guy who is close to being on par with Belichick. Which defense is most likely to take over and dominate this weekend, Peter? You know, my feeling is I don't think there's going to be a defense that has an overwhelmingly great game, but I think the defense that will play the best this weekend is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I think they also are going to need to play very well. A lot of people automatically say, hey, walk over for Tampa because Philly's not that good. I really think that they have got to right away in the first quarter set the tone and say you're not running on us today, even though you averaged 191 yards a game the last eight games. I'm fascinated with what the 49ers defense can do because the Cowboys offense has kind of been all over the place lately. If Get after Dak Prescott and Nick Bosa has been great this year coming back from the torn ACL. I could see the 49ers defense really stepping up and having a huge game. And, 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 you know, the Cowboys pressing if the 49ers have long, methodical. 
several drives and uh, you maybe the 49ers get a lead so it's more likely they're going to throw and here comes more of Nick Bosa I could see the 49ers do uh, defense doing some special things this weekend let's take a break show me something draft which will be guaranteed to not have Daniel Jones in it show me something <laughs> draft for the wild card round when PFT Live continues right after this what do you got Daniel Jones show me something Daniel Jones Show me something, oh, Daniel Jones. What do you got, Daniel Jones? Show me something, Daniel Jones. Show me something, Daniel Jones. What do you got, Daniel Jones? Show me something, Daniel Jones. Show me something, Daniel Jones. What do you got, Daniel Jones? Show me something, Daniel Jones. Pro Football Talk is brought to you by Verizon, the official 5G network of the NFL. question is what went right in that game um you know i, I can't, can't say it enough man um when it rained it, it poured we understand we're playing a really good offense um, a really good team um you know mvp type of quarterback you know you look at what they got they got they got a good formula up there just wanted a chance to make it to the playoffs and uh man we were on the edge of the seat uh took a little bit more than uh the regular 60 minutes but uh Glad to be a part. Cam Hayward getting ready for the Steelers playoff game that we did not expect. I don't think anybody expected it, and they are expected to lose, but uh, we'll see how it goes on Sunday night. Show me something for the wild card, the super wild card weekend. I got to get it right. They want us to call it super wild card weekend. Sometimes I will actually call it super wild card weekend. Peter, you're up. Uh, show me something, Kyler Murray. Uh, one and three down the stretch in his last four games, only averaged 249 yards passing in those four games. You know, early on this season, it was all about the ascension of Kyler Murray. He's hit some rough patches late in the year. It is time for him on the road to play a huge game against a division rival with all of America watching on Monday night. Show me something, Kyler Murray. I'm staying in that same game. Show me something, Matthew Stafford. I mean, you could make the argument that the Rams ultimately traded two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and Jared Goff for Jared Goff. Because I don't see much of it. Now, I understand there are differences in style, but what's the difference in outcome? What's the difference in result? Matthew Stafford's never won a playoff game. He's thrown eight interceptions and eight touchdown passes the last four games. Something's not working with that offense. And maybe maybe Cam Akers is the key if they can unleash him. But this is Matthew Stafford's chance. First overall pick in 2009. All the fanfare last year when he was traded from the Lions. This is the night. This is the moment. This is the time for Stafford to show why it wasn't. Goff plus two ones and a three for Goff, that it really was an upgrade that the Rams brought to town. Show me something, T.J. Watt. Um, and look, T.J. Watt probably, I would guess, is certainly it's going to come down to him and Aaron Donald, but my guess is that he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Now, the Defensive Player of the Year in a game that your double-digit underdogs has got to come through and make two, three, four game influencing plays 
You've got to turn into Lawrence Taylor in this playoff game against the Kansas City Chiefs. You've got to find some way to influence the game so that Patrick Mahomes doesn't wreck it early. Show me something, T.J. Watt. Yeah, stat sheet from him when they played the last time around, not the kind of thing you would expect from a T.J. Watt. I'm going to go with Derek Carr. Even though you can say the pressure isn't on and they're not supposed to be there, look, he didn't get to play in the playoff game five years ago when they made it because he suffered the broken ankle in the regular season finale. This is it. All these years he's been in the NFL, and he's been around since 2014. He was a first-round pick the year – or a second-round pick the year Johnny Manziel was a first-round pick. So he's been around for a while. This is his chance. This is his moment. Who knows when a chance like this is going to come around again. And, uh, you know, I, I, the, the Bengals are the better team, but, but if Carr has the game of his life, the Raiders can pull off the victory, Peter. Show me something, Mac Jones. You know, look – Mac Jones still may win Offensive Rookie of the Year, and clearly he has been the most impressive rookie quarterback of any this year. He has given the Patriots more than they could have hoped for in a rookie year, leading them to a playoff spot. But he has not been very impressive for three of the last four weeks, uh, particularly uh, his game against Buffalo in Foxborough. He has simply got to make some game-deciding plays against Buffalo if the Patriots have any chance to win. Show me something, Mac Jones. Last one for me, and you could say this pretty much any week, but show me something, Jimmy G. He said a couple of days ago that his uncertainty for the future has weighed on him all year long. Uh, he had a great moment on Sunday, drove the team down the field, tied the game up against the Rams. They won that game. They were down 17 nothing. At times, he does just enough to make people say maybe maybe they, they, they don't need Trey Lance, and then he'll do something that makes people say get Trey Lance on the field ASAFP. So show me something, Jimmy G. A lot is riding on whether he can get it done. Let's take a break. Some final thoughts and some predictions for Wild Card, Super Wild Card Weekend when PFT Live continues right after this. There are the odds for the weekend, courtesy of our friends at PointsBet. The Steelers, the biggest underdog at 12.5, the narrowest margin, Cowboys three-point favorites over the 49ers. Underdog with the best chance to win straight up this weekend, Peter, who you got? San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I, I don't know. I'd probably pick them to win, but I've, I only pick them to win if they can do one thing. And that's run the ball consistently well. Because I think the recipe to beat the Cowboys, as we discussed earlier, is to hold the ball for 37 minutes and give Dak Prescott seven or eight possessions. That is what I think the Niners want to do. Can they do it? If they do it, they're going to win the game. Home field advantage really isn't the advantage it used to be. I've picked three underdogs to win straight up this weekend, and I feel most confident about the Patriots because of the stat you mentioned earlier that I wasn't actually aware of to the extent that it's that glaring, it's that jarring that roughly 75% of postseason games coached by Bill Belichick are won by him. I think this is going to be another one. This is a find-a-way-to-win game for Belichick and the Patriots as the Bills try to to beat their big brothers in ping-pong once and for all. They're going to have to keep waiting. Are we going to hear at some point during the weekend 
that a team has hired a coach. And I say that thinking, you know, there's a chance 15 minutes into the first playoff game, the Panthers will fire their coach because we've already seen them pull that move with their offensive coordinator. Could we hear of someone hiring a coach this weekend? I don't think so, Mike. I think you're going to see teams be more deliberate this year. Uh, The fact that there is not one marquee name out there right now uh, says to me teams are going to take their time and it'll be at least a few more days before the dam breaks. By the way, I've got a little Jim Harbaugh update that I'm going to craft and post at profootballtalk.com coming up in the next half hour or so. That's a tease. That's a tease from TV to digital. I don't think I've ever done that before. May have to do it again. I kind of like it. Peter, great job as always. Enjoy the games this weekend. See you at 5 p.m. for PFT. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.